We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. It was an old farmer that plowed a field every year, year after year, and there was a large rock in this field in which every time he plowed it, he tried to go around it, but became an issue. Year after year, he would break plowshares and cultivators on it. And after the last plowshare that he broke on it, he decided he was going to take care of the problem, take care of the issue. And so he went out into the field and got his tools in order to to move the rock from the field. And as he stuck his crowbar under it, he realized something significant that the rock was only six inches thick. And he realized that it could easily be broke up. And so he broke it to pieces, and as he was carting it out of the field, he had to almost laugh at himself because this rock had given him so much trouble over the years, over and over and over and time and time again, and yet it was such a simple problem to solve. There are often temptations in our lives. There are often problems in our lives as Christians that we simply try to go around time and time again, year after year after year. Sometimes we get in a hurry to accomplish the bigger task of plowing the larger field instead of removing the smaller problems in our lives that cause us issues. We don't want to simply stop and take the time to deal with the problem right away. We want to move around it many times. This morning I want to ask you the question, what are the problems in your life? What are those circumstances, those difficulties, those those rocks that you keep trying to avoid? What are those problems that you see and acknowledge and that you just work around? This morning I want us to turn to Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 to 17, as we work through this passage. Today I want us to discover how it is that we can begin to get rid of the the problems in life. I want us to realize that there is a reality that exists in our lives that there will always be problems in our lives. When we get rid of the first problem, there will be another one that will arise. This is simply a reality. But I hope, my desire, my encouragement is that we can begin to chip away at the rocks in our lives and begin one by one to move those. Each day. In order to accomplish that task, I want us to look at three different ways in order that we can do that. The first thing that I want us to see is the the, the fact that we must discover what our problem is. We must understand where these problems are coming from and that we are encountering them. And and really, we we need to acknowledge what they are instead of working around them. I think many times we encounter problems and we say, well, it's okay, I can work through this problem or work around this problem instead of handling that problem. The second thing I want us to do is to, is to discover what the solutions are. It's good to know the problem, but we also must know the solution and how to solve the problem. The farmer began to find the problem. He began to solve the problem to chip it away and to move it away. 
These are the things we must do in order to have victory. And I want each of us to discover, lastly, the results of actively accomplishing the solutions to our problems. Once we know the problem, we we can address the problem with the solution. And once we do that to overcome the problem, we can have victory in our lives. So far in this study, if you remember, there are two things that we've looked at so far. The first thing is, is that we see Jonah on the dry land disobeying God. That was the first three verses. Last week, we looked at the first part of of the reality that we see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And this week, we're going to finish that. And so I want us to see that first, we need to discover what our problems are, what our problem is. The text tells us this. He says, Then the men became exceedingly frightened. If you recall, these sailors were out on the ocean. The storms were raging. The, Jonah had been running and escaping from the presence of God as if he could do that. And these men have just finished casting lots to find out why the storm is the way it is and who's the problem, who's the cause of it. And so the lots fall to Jonah. And so they began to give Jonah the third degree, if you recall, and they begin to ask him questions about his life, where he was from, who was his family, what, is, what people did he come from. And the statement that casts fear into their hearts comes from verse 9 when he says, he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea in the dry land. And then in verse 10 it says, the men became exceedingly frightened. Now I want you to know this morning, these men, they didn't really understand the problem until they asked the right questions. And when they had finally asked the right questions, all that that was struggling among the storm, they became aware of their problem. And it wasn't until they become aware of their problem that they could begin to work towards the solution. You see, I believe if we're going to find out what our problems are, or in our lives, we must begin by asking the right questions. These men needed more information before they could pinpoint what it was, the reason the storm was upon them. And they needed to know the problem before they could begin the process of solving the problem. And so we need to begin by asking a few questions. And first question I want us to, to think about is what is our obstacles? What are the obstacles? For the farmer, it was the rock. For these men, these sailors, it was Jonah. For Jonah, it was his fact that he was running from God. Listen, this morning you may be a solid, devout believer and follower of Jesus Christ, and you feel this sermon series really has nothing to do with it because I'm not running from God. Well, I want you to understand, you may not be running from God, but there will be other problems. The rock for the farmer was a problem. The storm was a problem for these sailors. So what is the problems? What are those obstacles in our lives? The second, I like to ask the question, am I the problem? Um, We see throughout Scripture from the very beginning, the first thing we do when we encounter problems, we want to point our finger, right? Nobody's ever guilty of that. We have to ask the question, am I the problem? Is the issue that I've got going on in my life, 
do the attitudes, do the habits, do the beliefs, etc., that, that I have, are they the things that are creating the problem in my life? You see, the, far, the farmer's problem was his habits. He had a habit of what? Trying to go around the problem instead of solving the problem. For Jonah, it was his attitude. He had a bad attitude. He didn't want to listen to what God had said. He was a prideful prophet. And I think there's a little bit more about the sailors than what we see on the surface because we'll learn later that they knew that he was running from God. Do we have attitudes? Do we have habits? Do we have beliefs that create problems? You know, a lot of times I think that in my personal life, I can't speak for you, but I have a false expectation of God sometimes. And so I expect God to do things that He never promises me in His Word that He is going to do for me or for the people around me. You see, that's a bad belief. As I grow in my relationship with Christ, God begins through His Word to to chip away at some of those bad beliefs. What are the beliefs we have? Are they causing the problems? Sometimes I think we live among our problems without ever knowing they're there. Yesterday, I was driving to take my daughter out for, for breakfast. It was her birthday. She turned 13. And on my dash, a light popped on. And so I went and had my oil changed. Why did I have my oil changed? Well, it wasn't because I just figured that my truck needed oil or wanted oil. The light popped up, and so I began to to look in to find out what the problem was. And as I scrolled through the setting, it says, change oil soon. And so I went and had my oil changed. You see, I had to ask the question why the light is on. And when I found out the problem, I knew the solution was to change the oil, and now the light's off. And it's reset. The problem wasn't the light. You, you understand that, right? The light was the fruit of the problem, but it wasn't the root of the problem. The root of the problem is my truck needed oil. Too many times as Christians, we walk through life and we address the fruit of the problem and we never get to the root of the problem and our lives rot from the ground up because we've been dealing with what's on the top, not what's underneath. And I believe that if we begin to ask the right questions about our lives, about our beliefs, about our situations, about are we the problem, what are the circumstances in our life, God can begin through his word to reveal to us what's going on under the hood. This should be encouraging to us. But many times we respond in ways that simply address the fruit of the problem. It's a bad attitude that causes the problem. It's it's a bad habit that brings about the storms of life. It's It's a faulty belief that sometimes causes us to have stress and tension in our lives. For these men, it was Jonah. His sin had had directed impact right into their very lives as they were on this boat with him. They had already been going through the storm. They were already scared for their lives. Because the text tells us that in verse 5. And so the question is, why did these men become extremely frightened? 
They were already scared. Why did they become extremely frightened? Well, I'd have to think they had had heard about this God in which Jonah had worshipped. These men had, had been living most likely in the 8th century B.C., and you can bet that these, these unbelievers, these pagans, had heard of all that, that God had done through the exodus, through his provision, through his protection, through his victories over battles and all of these things. The word of this God had traveled through generations and they believed what they had heard most likely. These men are frightened, I believe, because now they know which God that Jonah is running from. You see, God is to be feared above all gods. That's what it says in 1 Chronicles 16, 25. You remember when the storm came upon them, what did they do? They began to call to their false gods, but nothing happened. Now the God of the universe, the creator of the sea and of the dry land, they realize who this God is, and now they become exceedingly frightened because this is the God that they're up against. And having a healthy fear of God, I believe, as Christians, will help us out of a lot of our problems. The Bible is full of places where the Scriptures speak about the reality that He desires for us to fear Him. Not, not an unhealthy fear, but a healthy fear, a reverence and an awe of God. Proverbs fifteen thirty three says, Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord teaches one wisdom. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, Psalms speaks of. Moses was afraid to look at God, Exodus 3, 6. I will put the fear of me in their hearts, Jeremiah 32, 40. Fear lest God not spare you, Romans eleven twenty. Surely you will fear me and accept instructions, Zephaniah 3, 7. Walk in the fear of God, Nehemiah 5, 9. Over and over and over throughout the scriptures, we find the reality that God desires us to have a healthy fear of him. And these men are now extremely frightened because they have a fear of of the one true God. And so the last question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we really have a healthy fear of God? Do we fear the Lord Jesus Christ? Much of what we see in Christianity is very flowery. I'm not opposed to the flower. But I see a lot of difficulty in the word of God. I see a lot of reality in which God pours out his wrath on people to accomplish his goals and his objectives. And much of what we hear on Christian radio is all flowers. We would think that, that, that when we open the scriptures, birds would fly out and flowers would fly out and money would pour out. But in reality, sometimes that's not the case. People die. People get divorced. People break arms. Pastors fail in the pulpit. One after another. Things happen that aren't so beautiful in real life. And I believe an accurate understanding of God is to understand, yes, that God loves you and that God has compassion on you. But do we have a truly healthy fear of God? Because I believe when we have a healthy fear of God, we can go through a whole bunch and stand firm. When those mountains are in front of us and we don't know what to do or how to get them out of the way, we will what? We will trust in Him. You see, these men begin to ask the right questions. They begin to develop a a fear of God. 
They said, after they began to express their fear, that they were, they were too afraid of what was happening. They said, Jonah, that's an awful thing that you did. You could say it that way. They realized that this God was the one that you don't want to play with. And now this God, maybe they had heard of Him, maybe they had seen stories in their lives about what this God had done, and now they're experiencing it for the first time in their lives. And I want us to understand, as long as we work around the problems of life, we may have storms in which God's trying to draw us back to Himself because He loves us. And He doesn't want us to work around the problem. He wants us to go directly through the problem, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in reliance on Jesus Christ. That's the hope. It's the directions which ultimately He wants because God's love is for God's people. God's love is for all people of all places and all generations. Those that trust in Him. They realize that this God is powerful. They do what we all do many times. They begin to point the finger. And we see it says these men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because Jonah had told them. They knew what was going on. Maybe they didn't know exactly what God he was for. They was a, uh, this was a generation of polytheism. They, many gods. Now they know. They've pinpointed the problem. It's the one true God. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who makes the stars. The one who splits the seas. The one who gives victory over warfare. The one who brings about storms. To draw his people back into where he desires them to be, which is the safest place for Jonah to be. They've solved the question of what is the problem by asking the right questions. And this morning I want to encourage you to begin to ask the questions. Not only have they come up with the, 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 the problem, now they've got to begin to chip away at the solution. And so the next thing we want to do is we want to discover our solution. Now it's time for them to figure out how to get out of this situation before it becomes too late. And so they get right to work trying to find a solution to the problem. And so verse 11 says, They said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming more and more stormy, increasingly stormy. Jonah, you're the cause. Now give us a solution to the problem. We are fearful for our lives of this God and the sea is not getting any better. A matter of fact, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And since Jonah, you knew what happened and what caused the storm, this should qualify you to recommend a solution to the problem. And so verse 12 says, he, he said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Sometimes we are the sailors and sometimes we are the Jonas in life. And here Jonah concludes that human sacrifice is the only solution to calm the storm that is raging in their lives. 
Listen, this may not be a type of Christ. It may be allegorical, but I am reminded that through this man, Jonah, there is a man, Christ Jesus. Jonah is the only solution to these men's problem of the raging sea, and their lives are on the line. And without Jonah giving up his life and being tossed into the sea, they would surely endure the wrath of God. Listen, Jesus Christ is the only solution to our problems this morning. Our problems that are raging in our lives and the difficulties in your life, I want you to know, is on the line this very day. And without Christ giving up his very life and not being tossed into the sea, but rather being tossed onto the tree at Calvary, we can't be freed. God loves us. God cares for us. And if we don't put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will surely endure the wrath of God. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, not that you might struggle through life and have difficulties, but that you could go through those things relying on the power of the Holy Spirit whom he's indwelt into your body at conversion. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Jesus Christ. And he says, my father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? And the wrath of God was poured out on his son so that you might live and that you might have victory so that you can stop going around the rocks in your field and you begin to chip away at them by trusting in Jesus to be your chipper. Jonah was their solution. Jesus is our solution. Obedience was their need. Faith in Christ is our need. Throw me overboard, Jonah says. Jesus says, believe on me today and you shall be saved. God loves you. God is a God of compassion, a God of grace. And Christ is a God of sacrifice so that we might have life. It's my fault, Jonah says. I know that my sin is what caused this storm. And so now we see he begins to admit that he is the problem. And in the midst of Jonah's life, God is using the storm of this life to build a healthy fear in God of these, in these men. Jonah gives them the solution. He told them, throw me overboard. He says here in verse 13, however, the men rode desperately to return to the land, but they could not for the storm became even stormier and stormier. What are they doing? They're trying to get around the problem. Yet Jonah's given them the solution to the problem. Yet they don't take the solution. They, they, they try to, to get back. The key word here is however... Jesus is your solution. He is my solution. And either belief in Him or obedience to them in that time, it's important this morning that we rely on the Lord Jesus Christ to get us out of the situations, the struggles, the difficulties. The world will tell us, go by the four book step. Right? Go by step. If, listen. If books were the solution, we'd just buy the two-step solution to the problem, not the four-step solution. Jesus is the solution. This book is our solution. These are the words of God in which when we open, we communicate with Him. He speaks to us daily. He instructs us daily. He gives us grace and hope and passion and love for the Father through His Word to draw us to Himself. 
This is a plan. That's another way we see these men. And the Hebrew word really begins to talk about digging. It means they, they paddled as hard as they could. They dug. They did everything in their strength to get through this. Remember running, we talked about last week, makes us drowsy. And these men have now been given instructions and they're running from what they've been called to do. And they try to row desperately to get back and they're beat tired and they realize, listen, we ain't going to fix this problem. This morning I want to ask you, how tired of you for trying to row your way out of the situation? They're beat. How frustrated are you? How weary are you of trying to do things in your own ways? Listen, it's simple. Jesus is the solution to your problem. Both for the believer and for the non-believer. For the believer, it's to live in a life of holiness and righteousness before a righteous and holy God. For the unbeliever, it's to be saved, to be delivered. You see, you can try to row your way to Christ. You can try to move all the rocks in your, in your lives. You can try to do A, B, C, and D. But the Bible says, no, there's no salvation in anyone else but the Lord Jesus Christ. No efforts, no works, no abilities that you do will ever make you right before God. So stop. Stop trying to do it in your own way. Believer, trust in Jesus to get you out of the problems of life. And a lot of times we put them there and God in His grace and God in His mercy by relying on Him will help us out of that. But sometimes we got to go through the storms first. When we trust in Him, God will do amazing things. No one's following directions here. God has a way and that is whatever He wants to do to get back to the fold in which He has called them to. God has revealed the solution to the prophet. And 2,000 years ago, God revealed his solution through Jesus Christ for us today. We need to discover the problem. We need to discover the solution. But finally, we need to thirdly discover the results and what they are. These men had now been in a place where they have to make a decision. The man who we led on to our boat is the man that now must have to part from our boat. Because that's their solution. Verse 14, he says, They called on the Lord God and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on the account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. God, you are the one that's in control here. Don't let this man's death be put on our shoulders. They are praying because they understand that by Old Testament law, the shedding of blood is not good to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not to shed innocent blood. And yet they got to chunk this man off the boat. Another prophet, Jeremiah, warned Judah's officials about the danger of shedding innocent blood in Jeremiah 26. Proverbs 6, 16 and 17 tell us that there are six things that God hates. Seven, which is an abomination, hands that shed innocent blood. These men had heard, they have known about this God. And they didn't want this on them. And so they cry out to Jonah's God. You have done as you have pleased, they said. And if we're throwing Jonah over the board... 
it would be an act from God himself. And finally, we come to where Jonah has brought them. Human sacrifice seems to be the only solution. And listen, I hope that today you can come to the understanding that believing in Jesus Christ is the only solution to the problems of life. And while it was hard for these men to throw Jonah overboard, they had to get rid of the problem. This morning we need to get rid of our problems. And many of them we just need to throw them overboard. But if we're consistently trying to go around it, paddle ourselves to the shore, get out of the situation, we'll never solve the problem. Jesus says, cast your cares upon me. We don't throw anything out of a boat. We throw them upon Christ who has paid for your sins, past, present, and future. Listen, I don't care how bad you are this morning. God is a forgiving God. If God can save Saul, God can save you. God can save and deliver Saul on the road to Damascus the way he did and all that he was participating. He said, I used to do everything I could to oppose the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. But no, Jesus said, I'll point you, my brother. It's my servant and my witness. Young man prayed to receive Christ. He sent me an email. And he said, Pastor, I've been lying to you and I've been lying to God. I haven't made a decision to pray to receive Christ. And so I began to counsel with him via email. He's a 16-year-old kid. And about eight, eight emails later, he began to tell me he enjoys his sin. And he don't want to stop. A matter of fact, he's so far deep that he can't get enough satisfaction at the way he's been doing and his answer was, one day I'm going to be like a celebrity. It doesn't matter how much I have, I'll never be satisfied. He says, I'm too far gone, Pastor. And I said, let me tell you something, brother. Read Acts chapter 26 and read about the conversion of Paul and listen to how bad this man was. And we begin to dialogue about how bad Paul was. And the last email that I got said this, Pastor, I think there's still hope for me. Let me tell you what, there is hope. For everybody. I don't care if you're, a, if you're a godly man or a godly woman and you're doing something that, that sin. God will bring you to a place to draw you out of that. Because he loves you. But God's ready to forgive you. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That passage is to believers, not unbelievers. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. God is perfect. Christ is perfect. So these men picked up Jonah. And they threw him into the sea. And the seas stopped raging. The result of the, the, the reaction to do what God has called them to do calms the sea. You see this morning, I want to encourage you that like these men, we need to cast it over. To get rid of it. So that our seas can be calmed. Your circumstances. Your situations. Whatever that is. God wants to calm it. We can see God work in great and amazing ways. As we begin to shed the problems of life. Because these 
men were trying to maintain, maintain things in their own ways, they were not able to build a healthy relationship, a healthy reliability on God. But as, begin, as they began to follow His instructions, as a result, they found themselves in a, in a level of healthy worship. You see, I believe that's us. When we begin to cast off the things off the boat, when we begin to go through our problems, God begins to give us a healthy place of worship. Because when we're living in habitual sin, when we're doing things that God hasn't called us to do, God's not required to listen to our prayers. When we confess our sins, we, we go to God with those sins. It's a promise that He will hear us. And these men have now followed through and began a, a, a healthy worship of God. In verse 16 it says, Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to Him. They began to worship the God. In verse 5 they became afraid. In verse 10 they became exceedingly frightened. In verse 16 they feared God and they worshipped Him. Notice that God doesn't simply let Jonah drown as he throws him off the boat. You see, God is the one who places Jonah overboard. And his reason for placing him overboard is for what? To bring him back to him. He knew if he left him on that ship and he went in the opposite direction, he would not accomplish, number one, what God was doing, and number two, he would allow him to live a life in disobedience and sin. And God doesn't want us to do that. And when God puts you through storms of your life, listen, the storms are simply to draw you back into a relationship with Christ, back into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it says in verse 17 that, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. We have seen the human sacrifice that had to take place on Jonah's behalf to save these sailors. We see these men that are there in their own efforts trying to save themselves. But it wasn't until they did it God's way that they were brought to safety. Have you looked to Christ for your salvation today? For God says there's no uh, name under heaven by which man must be saved except Jesus Christ. It's not by works. It's Christ as he went to Calvary where he took your place and the raging wrath of God was poured out on his son. It's through the life of Jonah these men were lost at sea. And God brought them back. And God called the great fish to save him because God's love and God's mercy is for all people in all places, in all generations, for those that trust in him. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the boat. He went down into the depths of the boat, into the, the bottom. He went down into the sea. He went down into the belly of the whale. You see, sometimes it takes us getting that far before God gets our attention. And as he was there in the belly of that fish three days and three nights, what a wonderful picture of, of Christ to come, lifting our Savior up on the cross, which he became the human sacrifice to take your place and my place. 
that they placed him the next in the grave and that people thought, oh, he's done, he's gone. But three days and three nights, he was resurrected from the grave to prove that he was who he claimed to be, God in flesh. Don't live in your own abilities. Walking right past all of the problems of life, it will only cause more and more storms to build in your lives. Remember the farmer. Year after year, this man passed by his problem. We tell ourselves so many times we'll come back to it later. But often what happens is we never do. The problem remains. The problem keeps reappearing year after year over and over. And we're usually better off to take time and to simply fix the problem now. If we're tempted to go around time and time again like the farmer did, we had better ask ourselves, is it worth the cost? Is it worth the cost? One writer said it this way, the best way out of a problem is through it. And we do that through trusting in Christ. Would you do that today? Let's pray.